What's up, everyone, and welcome to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast. And today in the show, Matt Drury and I are joined again by Mark Drury. And we're answering a listener question about deer hunting in Texas and much, much more. So take a listen and enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon with Wired to Hunt. I'm here with Matt Drury and Mark Drury from Drury Outdoors, as always. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do this. We're going to have some fun, right? We've got, uh, we've got a good question that's about someplace that only you really can speak to us about. So I'm excited about that, Mark. I don't, know how that? You're, I don't know how you're going to be able to answer this without our help, Mark. That scares me a little bit. <laughs> Usually I try to throw in something that's like maybe a tiny bit helpful, but I, I've got nothing today. Um, but I'm really intrigued with our topic today because it's, it's so outside of my comfort zone and like what I think we're used to that it's going to be intriguing. Let's and do it. Should we just get right into it? Yeah. Mayville, Texas. I know you and Dan don't do a whole lot of Texas podcasts, so maybe we can get one rocking here. I know Martin does a lot of hunting down on the Stasnings, but I don't know if John O'Dell would, would be better for this topic or what. My question is as follows. I do a lot of hunting in the Midwest, but primarily here in the hill country in Texas. I was wondering about how you go about setting up bow stands as you would in the Midwest. There are no funnels, bottlenecks, pinch points, saddles, ridges, major travel corridors, anything of that sort. Deer seem to come from all directions. Also, I was wondering how you go about finding doe bedding areas and buck bedrooms here as well. Love the podcast. Keep them coming. What do you think, Mark? You know, he brings up a good point, and, and I think it's probably uh, this goes beyond the reaches of Texas because the situation he's describing there in the hill country is one of continuous cover, and there's not a lot of differentiation. There's not a lot of edge. As we all know, whitetails love edges, and in, in Texas – you don't have a lot of edges, particularly in that part of the state where he's talking about. But that could be the same for the big woods, you know, in the UP. Yeah. It could be the same for the Adirondacks, you know, up in New York. Uh, down in the southeast, there's these huge, vast expanses of timber. The Mark Twain National Forest, you know, wherever there's big timber without a lot of edge, then you, it really takes a much more diligent effort from a scouting standpoint and camera standpoint to start figuring out where travel is. And when when we go to the stasny you know we have parts of the ranch it's a 10,000 acre lease and parts of the ranch are nothing but cover and it would remind you of the hill country where he's talking about there are other parts of the ranch that have a lot more cattle on them there's more pasture to it and it has it is broken up and it has a lot of edge and and in those parts i see the deer acting much like they do here in the midwest however those parts of the ranch that are all cover which is what his his question relates to are very challenging to get your arms around in terms of deer movement so i always do one of two things i'm either going to sit in the highest point in topography or i'm going to sit in the lowest point of topography and at least let the structure give you some sort of an edge if you don't have it in the the edge of the cover i at least want an edge in terms of the edge of the valley or the edge of the top of the ridge. And I'm going to set up and put my wind off of that edge based on where I see most of the deer movement. And he's right. You do see a lot of deer come from different directions. And in those situations, you're just going to have to give up more of your downwind side than you're used to in a, in a point where you can get by with, say, I always want like 70 or 80% of the deer I see upwind of me. Well, there's places in Texas where I only have about 
you know, 60 or 50% of the deer that I see upwind of me. It's just a much tougher situation. So therefore you have to be diligent about your scent control and you have to make sure that when you go in there, you're scent free and you're not educating those other deer. I hear what he's saying and I can relate to it because we had those same problems in certain parts on the ranch there at the Stasny. So what, what does bedding look like in a lot of these areas in texas i mean I'm, i've never hunted down there when all we, of it your, so it's all it's all good bedding <laughs> and that's the problem he said you know they come from all directions right. that's because all the cover is created equally and they're all then they're bedding in all of the cover in the midwest if you look at a south-facing hillside or you know the thickest of thickets you can just about pick out where they're going to be bedding down there it all looks the same you can walk for miles and not find one switch at all like everything's the same the trails are just everywhere and there's a random scrape here there and yonder and it's very challenging and just like those other places i mentioned it's challenging to get on deer when everything is the same because they're so reliant on edge what about food now i know feeders are a big part of what's happening down in texas is that the only way to get is that the only way to key in on food or are there other certain natural forages that you can locate to help same thing the natural forage is spread throughout okay. so if the food is spread throughout and the bed spread throughout the deer are going to be spread throughout <laughs> it's the same thing in an oak timber with a lot of acorns dropping mm-hmm. it, you can't predict that you know you just got to be very lucky sometimes and that's what we depend on there but yeah it, it's just to spread out but the one thing in texas that we have been able to key in on as one of the biggest magnets down there and that's water because they don't have a lot of it you know for the most part across the state and when you find a good water source you can bet they're going to visit it uh nearly in a day in and day out basis i think we did a show on that with john odell did. a couple oh, years ago oh, it was amazing how much game was coming to that and water tank. he killed like a 200 kill a giant deer yeah. coming to it so water's a good uh, thing we have uh protein stations throughout our ranch we have feed stations throughout our ranch we have food plots planted throughout the ranch so we hunt a little bit of everything and generally we're trying to catch them going or coming from one of those magnets when you're hunting texas compared to the you know the midwest missouri uh, iowa what's the biggest difference for you um the biggest difference is the body size um the deer up here might field dress 200 and five pounds to 225 pounds down there mature deer are going to field dress from 120 and by mature i'm talking five and a half or older 120 to 140 145 150 much different size body so therefore the rack while it appears big it's not nearly as big it's an optical illusion compared to what you're used to speaking of that you had a great kill down there this past fall your biggest in texas and it was uh, one, what did that like score? 171, yeah. but he had like four or five inches broke off. Real chocolate horn. Oh, chocolate buck yeah. we called Blackjack. That One of those bucks that was always there from the time we put the camera out till mm-hmm. the time the vel- velvet came off, and then he would just disappear yeah. every year, four years in a row. He was there, he's gone. And then we wouldn't get him again. I think one year he came back in December, we got pictures of him. And then we were just sitting there. And when I saw him, I literally couldn't believe my eyes. So, I mean, it was one of the luckiest deals I felt like because I had no pictures of him since August last year. He shed his velvet, and he was gone. <laughs> I killed him in early December. What did that rack look like on that? That's you know, what awesome. oh, looked, looked, like, looked, on that looked like a 170s, you know. I mean, he, he actually looked like a 180 coming through. Yeah. And he ended up in the low 170s. Because there, that part of Texas where you're hunting, it's not typical to have a deer get that get that large and and rock size he's an extreme outlier certainly you know if you look at uh, the stasny ranch and some of the ranches around there they don't kill a tremendous amount of deer up in the 170 you see a lot of mature deer in that 
125 to 155 range. Now, granted, you get some nicer deer than that, but as a general rule, that's where we see a lot of our deer end up. And uh, he was he was an exception. That deer in the Midwest would have been a, you know, 200. And, you know, to put it in perspective, that's yeah. how rare he was. They you just don't see a lot of 170 class deer down there. Now it sounds like it was it was kind of luck that you happened to see that deer. But I'm curious about your actual setup. What was the setup? that ended up with that deer come by we were on the part of the ranch there that had a lot of edge and it's one of my favorite spots because it's up on top of this beautiful ridge where you can see forever and everything to the south are these deep nasty draws full of thick thick cover and then when you get up on top it's pretty much just open you know a few mesquites here and there a few cactus here and there and the deer just come up out of those draws and then they feed up on those tops so we were catching him going from one draw to the next which is the way that setup is set for we were at the between the heads of two draws and we see a lot of buck traffic go right along the rim of our ridge going from draw to draw to draw uh, bumping does out very similar situations we see here in the midwest interesting yeah now something i saw you use a tactic you use in texas i think this was on one of your shows maybe it was 13 season two or three um and i don't know if this is what you called it but i'm going to refer to it as rattle and run um where you are moving around rattling often kind of stalking on deer and moving around hoping they come into that rattle yeah, we can do you, it a lot can you talk about there. that how you do that those, why you do that those deer seem to call a lot better to me down there than than the ones up here it's clearly a different subspecies and they just seem a little bit more aggressive and when you see one and you rattle to him i mean up here one out of ten will come down there six or seven out of ten will come wow. Uh, so the odds are just higher. So therefore, it's a big ranch. If things aren't moving, we'll go to them. And we try to put as much cover upwind as we can. Generally, we're doing it with a rifle in hand. It's not a great tactic for a bow down there. But we've had some good luck. We've rattled some good deer in for freezy and myself. And a lot of fun doing it, certainly. It's like a blast. Yeah, the, the key is to get it on a good a good weather day if it's a day you feel like the deer are going to be moving your odds increase that much more to go from spot to spot and call and that goes for the midwest as well if you're looking for a callable deer make sure that the weather's in your favor too it's a day where you feel like they're going to move so in that terrain down there as you're rattling and running are you do you have many instances where they're circling and getting downwind of you or most so we try to do our best to put ourselves in a position where it is hard to get downwind that's the cool part about that ranch and a lot of texas you do have some rolling topography so you can kind of put your downwind side as a little bit more challenging for them to get to we do the bulk of our rattling and running on that part of the ranch that has a lot of edge to it so it's fairly predictable to go most of the deer right here let's get out here and get them within rifle shot now you always talk about the phases in 13, of course, in the Midwest where you guys are hunting. Do those same phases or something similar apply to what you're doing down in Texas? Absolutely. If, okay, there's so not, no differences there? In general, we feel like any part of the kind of from that general midwestern line to the east though, right? I mean, follow them. I think anywhere that whitetails live, the, the way to make it apply to your area would be to take peak estrus dates in the Midwest, that's 10th through the 15th, and make that your lockdown phase in your area. In other words, if your peak estrus, like down there in um, in Texas, is about the 20th through the 25th of November, that's peak estrus. So if you lift all the phases up and put the lockdown phase on those five dates, everything else pretty much lines up. So the last few years, I've been spending um, pre-lock, high anticipation, and the buck parade in the Midwest 
And then the moment we lock down, if I'm not on something really good, I head south and I get to relive all three of those phases over again. It is incredible. And it's a great strategy. If you can find another state where the rut offsets a little bit from yours, then by all means, you can go through the best phases twice if you plan it out correctly. Yeah. You know, to find that out, to find out when those peak breeding dates, I have just been doing some of this research myself. A lot of state biologists have data on peak conception because they go and they collect roadkill does and their fetuses and they can backdate them by measuring that fetus and tell you when the, the peak of conception was that average date. So you can go in your state, talk to your biologist there. I called the DNR for several states just last week and did this. And a lot of them can say, yeah, based on our studies in Illinois, it was, I'm going to get the date wrong, on November 8th through 11th, I think it was. Um, so call in your state, find out when that is, and then apply what Mark just said. Awesome. Call that your lockdown. There you go. Um, how about how Texas deer react to these diff- these different movement factors that you often talk about? Temperature drops, bear pressure. I think pressure, they react mood. more to them. Really? Oh temperature man! Drop, temperature drop, out, right? man. Get ready or a little precip because they don't see very much of it. Look out! It is st- and that, and I killed blackjack on a really light rain, real light, forty degree overcast. day, overcast, forty degree day. And it was just, and, and I mean, the moment we got out there and got set up, I mean, it was just buck after buck after buck. That's the cool thing about uh, that ranch or many parts of Texas. It's very target rich because of all that cover. They hold a lot of deer. And I mean, it was on that day. It was crazy how it affects them. So I think the triggers that we talk about in the Midwest affect those deer even that much more. They're aggressive. They move a lot. And because of that, like in, in Iowa, I might get a buck here, and if I get him a mile away, I find that very rare. In Texas, I don't blink an eye at it. I'll get him three, four, five miles away. It's nuts how far those deer move down there. They walk a lot more than the deer up here do. Speaking of the aggressiveness of these deer, we, I, didn't, I should have asked this when we were talking about the whole rattle and run thing, but just how does your actual calling techniques differ down there? I imagine more aggressive. I'm more aggressive, yeah. Can Louder. You, okay. A lot of times you're dealing with wind. So I have a tendency to try to find the highest pitch set of antlers I can and the loudest grunt call I can because you deal with wind often down there. So Bigger distances. Bigger no. distances. It's just bigger country, you know. And how often are you rattling? I mean, I feel like when we're doing Every 30 the- minutes, every 20 minutes, something okay. like that. Interesting. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. He would it do is fun. well on my lease. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not. Yeah, it, but, you know, the only reason I do it down there is because it's a, fine. <laughs> it's a big place, and I got a lot of dirt. You know, if I had 100 acres leased down there, I would probably not rattle yeah. at all, you right. know. So it's really perspective about, you know, the opportunity. We're blessed to, to be able to, to share that ranch that's with, a big with those guys. For you. Yeah. That's, not, that's not our normal setup, right? No, you know? it's an exception, Yeah. You know? Is there anything else on the Texas side that is unique and worth noting? If you noting? haven't tried it, go give it a try. That's the cool part about Texas. There's, it's so large and so vast, and there's, it's such a target-rich environment. And there are a lot of good quality outfitters in the mm-hmm. state of Texas. Unlike a lot of states for whitetails, correct, frankly, if you look at a lot of states in the country, you go, where's the best whitetail outfitter? There might be one or two. In Texas, there's probably 100 that you need to research yeah. and go talk to because there are so many outfitters down there. You can buy a fairly reasonable hunt down in the state of Texas and go down there and enjoy that beautiful state. If you've never been there, give it a try because it's literally – it's 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 incredible for white just tails. a couple off the top of my head i know that um john odell goes with uh, seo seo hunts yep and then um 
Joe Schultz and Coondog use Mark Scroggins uh, family. What's the name of that one? Uh, I think if you Google Mark Scroggins, Texas. It's Danny Pierce and Mark Scroggins. I can't think of the name of their operation, but yeah, those are two those, of the better ones. Yeah. And, uh, and by SEO, it's S E O yeah. Southern out Southern experience outdoor. I forget what it stands for. What's the for. name of the, the main guy there? He's got his own. Mike Stroff. Mike Stroff. Yep. Yep. And, 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 Last year, Susie O'Dell killed an absolute giant. giant on that piece. Over 200-inch deer. Yeah. Is that the same yeah. place he killed his giant several years before? I don't know that, that I don't no. think that's the same place. One was a ranch John had permission on, and Susie's was with okay. SEO. Yeah, yeah. So, But the point being, there's a couple of good ones right there to research mm-hmm. and check out. So. Absolutely. From what I understand, too, like because Texas is so large, there are some tremendously diverse like, ecosystems and that's habitat. Crazy. Like You can hunt some very different types of places all in the same state which seems pretty cool and and you know you hear a lot of pushback sometimes about the state of texas and i say anybody that's pushing back just had never been there because if you're a whitetail hunter you go to the state of texas and you don't enjoy it you're you're lying we did a podcast with nick munton didn't he say they went down there and they shot they they had to go to a ranch they got invited to a ranch uh the him and waddell and and t-bone where they it was a strict management program and and the deal was they were going to go into it knowing there was coals and does mostly does right and they shot 57 deer in three days a lot of trigger pulling yeah it's target rich environment i'm not joking and he said that it didn't it didn't phase i mean they needed that and and then some you know it was a huge uh number of deer that that ranch had sure was a large area and yeah well yeah. Texas has got it going on also from a management of the resource perspective. They have the MLD or MLB ranches where you can register your ranch with the state and then they allow you whatever permits you need to manage that ranch the way yeah. you see fit. They have a biologist assigned to you. He'll come out, they'll discuss the overall sex ratio, and he'll say, you need to take X amount of does That's and X cool. amount of bucks. Yeah. They don't care if one guy kills them or 100 yeah. guys kill them. So they manage by ranch as opposed to the entire state which i think is the way to do Smart. it every state should go that route yeah, yeah. You know? or at least yeah. by if say if they did it on a county by county basis yeah. you know something realistic well and this is getting way off topic but i was just thinking about that you know with in missouri they just came out with you know x amount of more counties that, that they mm-hmm. kind of shut down for feeding because of the cwd if your county's touching a county that yep. that that tested positive they're shutting down feeding and all that stuff and it's it's interesting because you know and dad both of dad's counties now three counties for dad in Missouri where he has farms. He can't do any feeding anymore, and he doesn't. And, yep. You know, and it's it should be case-by-case basis because be. his farms, I mean, he's got so many deer yep. there. He needs he needs to, you know, he can't kill enough does. He can only get so many tags, you know, and he just can't kill enough. Yeah, same. We can go down and manage our ranch as we see fit. We share it with a lot of people. Yeah. Come to Missouri. I live in Iowa. If come to this state, I get one doe permit. Yeah, crazy. That's it really yep i can get wow. one with a bow and one with a gun Yikes. no i can have unlimited with bow it's one with a gun that yeah. i can get only yeah, one so okay. they used to allow but you know still you, you can't manage the resource that way they're putting yeah. handcuffs on guys and it's contradictory for them to go into one area and say we need to wipe out all the deer because yeah, yeah. of cwd but over here we're gonna we're gonna limit how many you kill yeah, you can only have one tag. how big of a contradiction <laughs> is that it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of it's like well I even don't get in it. the same counties you know like I know there's a CWD area there in Kirksville, around Kirksville, where John Williams' place is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and 
that's not far from dad's place, but they want him to kill every deer every in that deer. area. They want them all dead. You only get one gun tag or whatever, yeah. in, but unlimited archery tags, it's just weird. It, it they take sense. away the, buck, the third buck tag, which probably was the smallest use tag in the state, right? Yeah, it's reactive rather than proactive. Yeah. You know, it makes no sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. I still say Iowa, Kansas. If you look at the states that generally produce the biggest bucks and the most, you know, top-end deer, that's not by mistake. Number one, they got to be there, but it's also because the resources managed correctly. Yeah. Look at the state of Texas; they should be a model for every state in our union. Kentucky, Ohio, these places that are managing the resource the best. Iowa, God, I love the way Iowa manages their resource. It's still a huge family tradition for everybody to go deer hunting, but they move that gun season out of the rut, and that in and of itself makes sure that you get enough bucks to carry over into the next. Saves year. a lot of lives. Saves a lot of lives. I love the state of Iowa when it comes to yeah. uh, resource management. <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Heavy exhale. I, yeah. And you I can, really you, wish we you, could have that in Michigan. You yeah. talk to guys from Michigan and Wisconsin and Minnesota, and, and I have the same conversation with them over and over and over. You get that long sigh, and they're frustrated because the gun season what starts in – November 15th. There you go. There you go. Just kill yeah. them all, man. And Just two bucks. Down, you know? Two bucks, November 15th. Pow, pow. Pow, pow, pow. There they go. But, you know, it's – you know, we'll see. Yeah. You know, you can't. It, and they manage for the masses. They think they do. But look at Texas. Look at Iowa. You don't see the population there going, wait a minute, moving into the rut. No one in Iowa says that because yeah. they, they've got the best deer herd in the country. Yeah. But there's a bunch of people in Missouri going, get this gun season yeah. out of the rut. And if you're thinking from us, now I know that there's a whole slew of different things that these yeah, uh, management, into it. that they have to, when they're making these decisions, a lot goes into it. But if you want to look like, where are people going, spending their money, and buying properties, and hiring outfitters, and going in yeah, hotels? Yeah, they're leaving your state as opposed to They're leaving to Michigan, to and they're all going to Ohio, Kansas, Iowa. All that money that could be in in yeah. your home state is going elsewhere. Um, and I know that's only one part, only one factor, but it's it's something to consider. That's yeah. a pretty major factor when you're talking about all those tourism dollars and hotels no and, question. and restaurants and gas stations. And I mean, no that's question. a big deal. So. It is a big deal. And not only is it making money, but it's also the right thing ecologically for yeah. those herds absolutely yeah absolutely seems like a no-brainer you to guys a... both need to give texas a try i, I think you'd love it hey i do down. do we know a place do we know of anywhere to go <laughs> I, I do <laughs> come on down it looks cool it, it is looks cool. It, it looks so fun, fun is what it looks yeah. like it it's looks so like much fun. fun you and know and you grab the deer and throw him in the truck you, know, you, don't, <laughs> you don't have these long drags yeah. through the hills and hollows with uh-huh. these 225 pound goliaths uh-huh. you know these deer weigh 100 and you know 30 140 pounds field dress it's it's fun target rich yeah target and just rich. beautiful in a very unique kind of way it They're seems beautiful like deer, a lot of chocolate horn yeah 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 and you know what else is interesting about down there you seldom see a lot of non-typical deer they're almost mm. always just beautiful straight the other thing like in the midwest you ever notice you see a lot of wacky rack deer where one side's real good and the other side's yeah. bad? Yeah. We almost never see that in, on our lease in Texas. Almost never. I want to ask Grant Woods that question. Like, I can't remember a single deer where he had one bad side and one good side. Is, and up here, I get them all the time. Is that part of the way they, the herd management and call, the, you know, the call factor and all I that? I wouldn't think so. No, you know, because up here, a deer will look one way one year and then he and gets an changes. injury and that generally yeah. kicks it in. It's like the subspecies doesn't react the same to injuries down there as they do up here. Hmm. It's kind of weird, I, and I, I don't I don't know why. But Wade and I had that discussion. I'm like, why do we never see these on our ranch in Texas, and we just don't. Well, huh? Well, 
Sounds like, Matt, we need to do a road trip this fall. Let's do it. <laughs> let's get your camper out and let's go. We'll surprise Mark. <laughs> right. Hi. Yeah. Hey, we're here. We're here. <laughs> you know, you, it was kind of a light invitation, but we took it. <laughs> yeah. What is a tag in Texas for a non-resident? Uh, 300-ish, three and a quarter, something like that. Yeah. So it's for not... a full season, I think you can get a, a seven-day or something for like 150 or something mm-hmm. like that. Interesting. That's nice. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Well, anything else we want to touch on here? Appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Of course. Thank, yeah. you. Thank you. And I will say to the listeners and viewers, our usual quick reminder, you can submit your own question at wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. We would love to answer it. And you can subscribe to this podcast, the audio version, over at the Apple Podcast app, the Google Play app, or Stitcher. Get that at, or get that file right on your phone. You can listen to it right when we put these out. As always, you can follow along on the Jury Outdoors YouTube channel. You can watch these video podcasts. We have over 40 now, so there's plenty of content to go through. And we're also putting tons of great content, original content, on our Jury Outdoors YouTube channel via DOD TV, Killing in the Kitchen. Uh, so please check it out. And as always, you can follow us along at all of the social channels at Jury Outdoors. Thank you for listening. Peace. <laughs>